everybody. Welcome to Dipped in Tone. I'm Zach. I'm joined by a very special guest. As we wait on Rhett, I'm not sure where he is, but who have I got on the line here today? It's me. It's Joey. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Good. I. Um, it's been... You, it's you were been... at... <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, you were at City Winery last time I saw you. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, that was about a year ago or so. Not when quite. That have been in uh, fall, June, I think. Yeah, it was June. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Sweet. June last year. Um, but a lot of things have been happening since then. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure um, where Rhett is. Hmm. I don't know, but you can fill in for him, right? You, you got it. I mean, I, I can, I can stay for about 15 minutes. Okay, so, that's fine. Yeah. Could yeah. could you take your hat off and make your hair all curly and puffy and stuff like him? Nobody wants to see what's going on oh, under here. Man. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I'm enough. jealous of Rhett's hairline. Maybe you can give it to me or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first off, I want to thank all the patrons for uh, supporting the show, Dipped in Tone. If you want to learn more about being part of our online community and supporting this uh, podcast, go to uh, patreon.com slash dipped in tone. You can learn all about that sort of thing. And I uh, want to thank our sponsor of this episode, Sweetwater. So if you go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone, we are doing a giveaway where you can win one of two rigs. And Joey, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what what we're doing. Okay. So Red and I both picked rigs. The folks can enter to win it and they're pretty different. So Rhett's rig is a classic vibe telecaster, a blues junior He's got a Behringer octave, uh, like octaver pedal. Okay. The JHS three series fuzz, and then the Boss uh, Space Echo, the small one. Okay. And then I'm giving away, or Sweetwater through me, whatever, is giving away the uh, PRS SE hollow body, a DNM drive, a TC electronic flashback, and then a Supro Delta King. So pretty. Different. Oh, cool. Yeah. So which which of those two rigs do you think would get it done better for you? Hmm. Hmm. Um. I. Which one would it, I honestly the the Zach Broyle special that I think <sighs> that would that would do. You know, I mean, I like I like all the stuff that Rhett has picked, but I'm uh, I'm definitely I lo- I, I want to be a Space Echo guy, right. but I'm just not. I don't even know how to work them. I have one of the big ones. Complicated. I have one of the big boss ones. Sounds mm-hmm. awesome. I don't know how to work it. I I have one too, and I really enjoy it. But every time I plug it up, I have to pull up the manual on how to set everything because I feel like I when I when I unplug it, it resets all the stuff. <laughs> but anyway, um, if you want to sign up for this giveaway, go to sweetwater.com/slash dipped in tone. You learn all about it. And uh, check everything out. And thanks to Sweetwater for sponsoring the episode. So we'll just get into the interview here since Rhett's not going to show up. So you've had a lot of stuff happen in the past couple months. So one of which is a song that you guys wrote, you and and Dave, won a Grammy. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, man, actually, you're kind of tied into this story um, behind this. So the, 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 the short version is Dave and I met Bonnie back in 2014 
at our local folk festival, which is, you know, one of the bigger um, festivals, music festivals that happens in Western Canada. Um, and um, we were the first band on and she was headlining that night and some mutual friends had sent her a message saying, hey, if you get to you get to Winnipeg early enough, go check these guys out. We think you'd like them. And she did. She came to watch our show. And uh, at at the end of the night, she said, you know, hey, I'm always looking. I really like your guys' songs. and I'm always looking for songs. You know, if you have anything that you think might fit, send along to me. And at that point in time, we literally only had the 11 songs that were on our record. And we didn't have anything extra. It was like, that was it. And so I just sent her our album and said, this is all I have. But if, if any of this stuff speaks to you, you know, go for it. And then uh, she, I stayed in touch with her very loosely. Like, I just didn't want to be that guy. So I, I sent her like an email every 18 months. Hey, how are you? Kind of thing. Right. And, and so that was 2014. And uh, like, I think I corresponded with her maybe three times between then. And when you called me, you said, you called me and were like, hey, man, did like, what's the deal with this Bonnie Raitt thing or something? And I was like, what are you talking about? And you said, well, um, Kenny Bre Greenberg called me and said that they're chucking around a Bonnie Raitt or a, a Brothers Landris song on a Bonnie Raitt session. And she and he wants to pick up one of our collab pedals. I think it yeah. was the, the High Road Fuzz. Mm -hmm. And I, if I remember correctly, now you can correct me but if I'm wrong, but I, I remember you saying that Bonnie said to him, go get one of Joey's pedals. I think. I feel and, like that's maybe, what he said. Yeah. And maybe that's not true, but I'm going to go with that. <laughs> and so we didn't hear anything. You know, we didn't get any note from Bonnie's team or anything. So we didn't know anything about it. So the first inkling that I got that Bonnie was playing one of our songs was from you. And then Crazy. that was like, I feel like that was like summer, summer 21, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I, I got an email in December or late November of, of that year from Bonnie's manager saying, Hey, um, you know, just wanted to let you know that we cut one of your songs and, uh, it's going to be the first single off the record. And, and also Bonnie, Bonnie says, so sorry, but she, she messed up the lyrics in one of the verses and didn't realize until later. And then, uh, and then when I listened to it, it was like, she didn't mess up the lyrics that thought she got. <laughs> so yeah, so so that and then and then like the song went on to have a whole life of its own with Bonnie. It was uh, number one on the Americana charts for like ten weeks or something like that. And like the, we yeah. we've never had radio play <laughs> like ever, let alone in the U.S., let alone like charting. You know, so that was that was really really cool. And then you know the nomination was really really exciting. She got nominated for best Americana performance for her recording of that tune, yeah. and then and then won it. Yeah. which was just bonkers. So, I mean, you know, technically we are not Grammy award winners, but we're Grammy adjacent. Right. Well, I which, mean, but I mean, what a an honor to have such a legend who I, you know, I'm sure that you grew up admiring and and enjoying her music just like like all of us who, you know, enjoy this type of music. They have someone mm -hmm. play your song and then <clears throat> when when you know, the award for it has yeah. to just feel, I mean, I don't know, like put you on top of the world, right? It's wildly val validating. And yeah. I mean, you know, not that we, we've had a really wonderful career. It's not like we're, uh, we're hard pressed or anything, but sure. there has always been a little bit of like, yeah, these guys are good, but you know, but they're Canadian or they're, <laughs> you know, or, or it's this or it's that there's always, there's, there's always like people going, I really want to like this, but 
you know, it's not edgy enough or it's do this, do that. And I feel like Bonnie recording our song was kind of a moment for us, for people to kind of go, okay, well, she's the queen of Americana. And if she thinks these guys are legit, then, and it just kind of, it kind of like just gave us a little bit of um, a foundation to kind of feel like, oh, Bonnie thinks we belong here. So Right. Screw all y'all. <laughs> right. Well, you, you know, know, it's funny. It's like sometimes, and, and I get this with the pedals and I, I'm sure, I mean, this, the story you just told, like you kind of, you get so lost in the things that you create that you don't really get how much, um, they mean to you until you can kind of take a step back and, and observe it. Um, and I, I know it's funny, like Morgan and I are talking cause like for those that don't know, Joey and I have done a lot of collaborations together, but we're also very good friends. And like, I, it seems like every major thing that's happened in my life, you guys were always in town and yeah. we always got to hang out and like share these, these moments of like, you know, we met and then you met my then girlfriend Morgan and, uh, then, you know, we got married and then we got, you know, get pregnant and like everything like you guys were always in town as soon as there was like news to tell you guys were some of the first people we got to tell which was always very yeah. exciting yeah. but um one of the times that you guys came and, and played morgan was was with me and i think it was it was a basement gig or something it might have been one of your solo gigs mm. and uh she she'd never really she'd always heard me play the pedals right but you had a mjolnir and she heard you like like you were playing and then she saw you step on it and then you took a solo and it was the first moment that she had ever had that like, wow, like he kind of has something like Zach understands what's going on. And the fact that someone else who's, you know, can use that to create music is so, it's so powerful. And the, those sort of things that happen to me always kind of bring me back to like, because I get so lost in the work that I can't remember like what it's all, what it's all for. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's that's awesome that that you guys got to have that with with Bonnie. It's so cool. Oh man, yeah, it's cool. I I, I love that our stories are kind of so intertwined. You were also the first person. So when I met you, mm-hmm. we were on our we were on our first trip through the states, and so yeah. we had we had a couple of wins in Canada. We had gone and done a couple of showcase festivals and sort of garnered some buzz and wound up like. Because at that point, at the beginning of the Brothers Landreth, the Brothers Landreth was like only a thing that Dave and I were doing for fun because we were both side people for a living. That's like, you know, I played guitar for other people. He played bass for other people. And that's what we did for a living. Um, and we put together the Brothers Landreth like just to spend some more time together. We made this record. We had no idea what we were doing. You know, I mean, we've told this story a million times, but the whole Nashville thing was like I was playing in a lot of country bands, Canadian country bands. And that was like a, a rite of passage for every Canadian country band was to like go to Nashville and write and like right. have people tell you that your music is shitty. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, let's, let's go to Nashville. I'd love to go to Nashville. I'd never been. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. I had been, but I'd never been, you know, uh, in that capacity. And so we, we went down, we had, um, two gigs booked and then a couple of writing sessions which I'll tell a funny story about that after um, this. But so the first the first Nashville gig was at the basement, um, the original basement yeah, under Grimey's and uh, a, a much a much younger. No, just kidding. Uh, 
2014 version of Zach Broyles was at the gig and and you had come in from Sparta, I think, yeah. right? <laughs> That's it. And and so at this point we were playing shows in the states, but we were we were literally only playing like you know, first of three, first of four. Nobody knew who we were. You were the very first person in America to travel to see the Brothers Delandre. You were <laughs> so you were the weird. only person at that gig who knew who we were. You know, and That's and cool. I think you yeah, had like, you had seen was some, a video. Like, artists, people, or some like rep, like some artists or like label people there, right? There were some label people there because we had come down to kind of have some conversations with some managers potentially, and they had set up the gig. Right. Um, so the funny so thing the is, first, so we, like, not industry person. Yeah, you were the first yeah. person who was like, "I like your band," and I was just like, "Wait, you know who we are?" And and then you know, we you and I connected and had a chat after, and then you came to our second show, which was at that place, kind of near where Barista Parlor is. Yeah, I can't remember yep. what the, what that place was. And you brought your Les Paul down for me to check out. I remember that. And then you said like, "Hey, I build pedals. Like, let me." Um, let me send you one and see if you like it. And that and that was the the cream knob orange Mjolnir that uh, is somewhere back here on my wall. Well, you know what? I was gonna save this till the end, but ah! let's see. There it goes. There it is. Oh man, it looks so good. The next installment in the Mjolnir. Uh, uh, Everyone asked about it, and I'm like, well, you know what? The first one was like this. Let's do another one. I love it. I think it looks great. I love it. And the I LED the... works because I went back and watched that, that pedal show where the LED was broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so it works work now. This... Yeah, where is it? Okay, Amy, it doesn't matter. But okay, so then, then, then the side story was, so back in 2014, I, I'm, I'm sober. I've been sober eight years. But back in 2014, I was unsober. And so we had two writing sessions booked, one with a guy named Jonathan Singleton. And at that writing session was when we wrote Made Up Mind. Oh, wow. And then the other songwriting session that we had that I blew off because I was too hungover because I, I went out on Broadway with some friends and lit it up um, <laughs> was with an unknown songwriter named Chris Stapleton. <laughs> <laughs> we blew it off because I was drunk still. I got up in the morning. I was like, Dave, I'm too hammered to do this, I think. And uh, and so that's like, well, yeah, you know, call that a casualty of, of uh, excess. But well, and um, at, at one uh, Carter Vintage, um, this is just going to be the reminiscing section of the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But at one Carter Vintage, uh, like video, like demo shoot, Chris was there, and I think he yeah. heard you play, and I don't think he knew who you you were, but I remember he was he was he was very enamored by your playing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, man, because uh, Christy ended up emailing me after and was like, I'm going to give Chris your email address. But he came in and said, man, you sound good. You want to come yeah. play on a record? I was like, yes. And <laughs> he, he didn't call. That's all right. He doesn't need That's me. Fine. He's plenty no. good. Um, well. But yeah, the, yeah. Lot, yeah, Zach Bros, you've opened a lot of doors. Man, Not all it, of them it, opened all the way, I guess, but most of them did. Most of them did. <laughs> I like to, you know, I like to just turn the handle, so to speak, <laughs> best I can. <laughs> Um, well, another thing that I know a lot of people have wanted to talk about is it, it, it matters. It doesn't matter too much because you can't buy one now because they're all sold, but you released an Ampa 2 Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, we so, did. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's so exciting and, and amazing. Like I remember like hearing, I mean, I saw the prototype Yeah, or one of them way back when, and, um, when I knew it was coming, I was almost like, I feel like I should buy one. 
but then I was like, you know what, just let him go, you know, be out there in the world. But, um, like, tell us about that journey a little bit of creating, you know, this, this monster of a tremolo amplifier. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I was playing on a, um, on a record for Rita Coolidge back in 20, 2016, I think 2016 mm-hmm. or 2017. And, um, so I had gone down to LA to work on this record and, um, I posted something online and Josh Smith was like, Hey man, I like, I like your guitar playing and, and, uh, you know, you're in LA, you should come by the studio and hang out. So I, I went and hung out with him and, um, uh, I plugged into his TS1 and just kind of was floored by the yeah. TS1. And his TS1 was like, it, it had no master volume, which is insane. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, too, too loud for me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have the nuts to play that loud. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he had replaced the master volume with a reverb sort of circuit. Okay. And so I called Eli and, and, or Josh had connect me with Eli from two rock. Cause I was like, man, I got to get one of these and, and, uh, I can't afford one. So maybe I can finagle a bit of a deal out of them. And, and so I called Eli and we got on the phone and we talked for, you know, you, like, you know how it is when you, when you meet somebody and you connect with them and yeah. it's like it, it, you and me are the same way. You just get on the phone and you start talking and you, you know, it's, it's like these mini Venn diagrams of where your interests overlap. And, yeah. and so we had this big, long conversation. And, and at that time I was, I was, I had sort of rediscovered the music of Rye Cooter and Rye used a lot of harmonic tremolo in, uh, an era of his guitar playing. And then I think that was also, um, sort of revitalized by Blake Mills certainly was, was sure. sort of brought back into sexy by Blake Mills. So I, I had gone out and picked up a brown face uh, concert. Yeah. And actually, actually I had a brown face super that I was borrowing, you know, back in the early aughts and kind of, anyway, so I reconnected with the brown face circuit and kind of fell in love with it. And Eli and I had started to bond over that because when I called him, he said like, what are you using right now? And I said, well, I'm, I'm using these brown face amps and I'm really into them. And, and he's a, he's a big brown face nut too. So I said like, how hard would it be to do something with that harmonic tremolo. And he was like, nearly impossible. It's why Fender <laughs> stopped doing it. It's such a pain in the ass. And yeah. it's a great circuit, you know, get yourself a Victoria Reverber ammo and, and, and that's what you do. But the seed was kind of planted and he couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and I think he, he wound up building like a couple of one-off, like little, I don't know, maybe I'm not even supposed to talk about it, but like, like little, little Princeton's with harmonic tremolo for famous people. Oh my and, gosh. and so I think that he kind of got into that. Um, those are not available. Don't, don't email them and don't, don't tell two rock. I said that I don't, don't know. I'm probably in a whole bunch of trouble now. Um, no, yeah, we'll edit it out. Uh, just kidding. So yeah, we, we kind of talked on and on and, and I ended up getting a Bloomfield drive, which was kind of the TS one with reverb, uh, yeah. sort of, sort of vibe. And he, and he voiced it a little closer to a TS one and yeah, like somewhere around 2020, he was like, yeah, so I think I want to do this tremolo amp and, and, uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on it. And it's like, well, I mean, I think that would be very cool. And he's, and he sort of said, well, what would, what, how would you feel about putting your name on it? And was like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm very, 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 very interested in that. And you know, and uh, he he only want, wanted to do a limited run, which I think is which is kind of perfect because, you know, everybody's tastes are going to change. And my hesitation always with a signature guitar, or signature amp has been like, I I'm I'm not going to play the same thing for the rest of my life. Right. And so I I much prefer the idea of it being a collaboration and something that's like you know, this is something we worked on together, but this is not, you know, this, I, I'm going to plug into my old deluxe. I'm going to sure. plug into other things too. So that, that really appealed to me. Um, but I mean, when I got the, when I got the final prototype, it was like, well, you know, if there's any one thing that I probably will use for, for sort of time infinitum, it's probably this thing. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of a lot of these relationships really like the main. Obviously, it's important that the that the products are great, but um, it's really for me, it's about the relationships and the friendships and and like to collaborate with people that I genuinely love um, outside of music. It's a great joy, you know, yeah. and it's and it's a it's a it's a it's an honor to par participate in this kind of stuff with such heavyweights like like you and like wow. Two Rock and you know that and you know Alex Sorokin. It's just really cool and the, it's like right. the the Venn diagram of, um, you know my my love and deep interest for music and guitar playing and stuff sort of overlaps with people's love to make cool shit and <laughs> right. and and you just and you just kind of. You kind of bond over that, and I don't know. It's pretty special, but yeah. And the amp sounds incredible. It's, right. It sounds it sounds so good. It sounds so I, good. I I was I remember like hearing the prototype um, at at the Two Rock Nam House, <laughs> and yeah, just what a what a powerful sounding amp with the you know the, the harmonic trim, and then it's got a bias trim. Yeah, they can both work at the same time, and it was just. It was wild. It was so three dimensional, but but yeah, I under like I I totally appreciate what you're saying, and that's something that you know working with you because like I guess you and I were probably like you were probably the first person I collaborated on anything with because I didn't you know I, I didn't know what I was doing. I barely do now, but um, there's 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 two ways to go. You either go where you try to get these people to commit to only using one thing and then inevitably when they don't you have you get your feelings hurt or you just have to understand that you know musicians are artists and gear is forever in motion and that if you just focus on having these relationships and these friendships and not stress the gear as much and just focus on you know making music everybody is a little happier and i think can work together better and it's it's interesting to see musicians that that do take that hard line where they they commit they're going to have to play this one thing and you know they can't be seen with anything else and like that has to be so limiting i mean i i would imagine for for a player to say oh i you know i can't use this because i have to be seen with with that so yeah. yeah, I think I think that's the best approach to have, you know, is to to do a limited thing and not necessarily have like a signature model that lives on forever, um, for sure. Um, yeah, well, and I think like for me, the way that I kind of have worked around it is like, you know, with the exception of the two rock thing, we have I've really shied away from the signature language. 
Yeah. Because, you know, you know, there's like, there was a point in time when I didn't have a Mjolnir on my board. I didn't yeah. have any Klon style pedal, just wasn't, wasn't leaning toward them. And then on the last tour for a big chunk of it, I had two, you know, <laughs> and, and it was just, it's, it, it, cause it really is for me, like this, this gear, even, even the guitar as an instrument is just an extension of the sort of creativity that innately exists and there are times when I don't play guitar at all. I only play keyboards or organ or piano or, uh, you know, or I I just build pedal boards, you know, and I don't touch right. a guitar for like months. And it's all an extension of that stuff. And I think like for me to put every, to put, to sort of put stuff in one basket is really, really limiting for, um, for what you can make. Yeah. And, uh, and when it comes to pedals, like a pedal is only to me, it's only a tool to sort of excite your creativity. And so like there are, there are times when like, you know, I've had the biggest pedal board of my whole career on the last run, most, you know, complex, elaborate. Um, and this next tour, I'm probably just going to take two or three pedals because it yeah. was such a pain in the ass to travel with. And I loved all the sounds oh, and yeah. I spent hundreds of hours like conceptualizing everything, but it's like, you know, put it under an airplane and put a put a seventy five pound pedal board under an airplane, and then stuff just gets knocked around. And oh yeah, you know, it's a nightmare. So it's and and to me, like the excitement of changing things up also is really good for my creativity because, like, I I think you get as soon as you start going, no, I only do this, I only use this circuit, I only play this kind of guitar. Then you start then you start to sort of put blinders on your creativity and what you can do. Sure. Um, what what anyway. When, when you're looking for something that inspires you and, and, and I should say most of the time when Joey and I hang out, we ha kind of have a rule. We, we don't really talk about gear. <laughs> like when we, when we went to Nam together, we're like, we're not going to talk about gear. We're just going to hang out and like talk about our families and, and video games and things that are not related to guitar because we are so absor absorbed in that. But yeah. when, when you are looking for like a pedal or something, to take you to a sonic space do you do you just kind of like you know throw a dart on the wall and you know say well that's new or maybe that does a thing or do you do you like dive deep to like search you know what people are doing or how does how does that like journey go for you uh man that's such a great question um i i definitely have my sort of finger on the pulse of what is floating around and new sort of on on the internet um, or at least I have, and I, I, probably this year is the first is the first year that I kind of stopped engaging with the guitar internet in terms of gear because mm -hmm. there's so much new stuff, and there's so much cool stuff happening um, that I can't I can't really keep track, and I find it kind of overwhelming. So I, yeah. I mean I, I start with like what is a, what is the sound that I'm looking for, mm -hmm. and if it's a if it's a type of overdrive or if it's a type of fuzz pedal or something. I start to kind of try to imagine what it is, the sound that I'm looking for. And then I just go and try and seek it out and see, you know, who's making what sounds. And a lot of times I'm inspired, big time inspired by other guitar players doing cool stuff. Right. And, you know, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm work, I've been working on like a Zonk style fuzz with Dan uh, from Dan Drive for like years uh -huh. And it's because we're both chasing after this sound, and who knows, it might never be finished. <laughs> but describe the zonk sound for me. 
because I I've played a reissue of I don't know who made it. It was like I think mm-hmm. might have been the British pedal company. Yeah. Um and it like I know it's tone bender esque, but people throw that that you know that phrase around zonk sound. And I want to be honest, I don't really know what that is in comparison to all the, you know, like a tone bender sound. Like how would you yeah. describe it? Um, it's got like, so I, I, I've played that reissue as well. The, the British pedal company one. And, um, I have one and, uh, with really no, um, no ill will meant for them. Cause I know they do really, really good stuff. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, and I've heard people use them and have them sound really, really great. But in my hands, it was just too, too skinny. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, the 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 sound that I really like when I when I to me when I hear the zonk sound, it's got a really kind of mid range forward, kind of um, almost saxophone kind of quality. It kind of has that sort of honk to it. Yeah. But then there's also just an, there's a particular edge to it as well that is that is different than a fuzz face, where a fuzz face is kind of like really singy, sustainy. I mean, at least the way that I like to run them. And kind of, you know, definitely what we went for with the high road fuzz is right. like sustain and, you know, you can make them sound really beautiful, but the, but the, a zonk kind of ender to me enters into like a more of a, of a kind of edgy version of that, that kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, but I've heard a lot of people, like I've, I've tried so many of them and everybody's like, it's funny when you plug into a fuzz face clone, everybody's fuzz face kind of has a similar thing to it. All the clones yeah. of zonks that I've played are completely different. And everybody's well, idea of what a zonk sounds like is different. Right. And so I, I think, I think maybe going... maybe nobody knows what a zonk sounds like. <laughs> Does anyone know what a zonk sounds like? I, I if you know. had an old one, maybe. But they like what I was going to say is like it's so dependent. When you have a circuit that's so simple, it's so dependent on transistors. And that's probably what um dan is like struggling with because like yeah there's three of those damn things in there and if one of them isn't right the whole system falls apart yeah for sure um yeah it's an interesting thing it's like you know we live in this space where there's all these descriptors of things that sometimes really don't mean anything and i kind of get like lost in the weeds of that that's sort of terminology that i I need to talk to more people about it that that can yeah. describe it with some sort of affluence. I think um, my favorite my favorite descriptor of a pedal is toasty. What pedal is toasty? I mean, just imagine the sound that toast makes when you scrape <laughs> a knife against it, and you just that like I I I don't know. Okay. But when I hear when I hear something toasty, I fucking I know it. I'm just like that is toasty. No. That toasty sound. Okay, well, next time that you're playing something, <laughs> please send me a video of that that toasty tone you got cooking over there. Check out this toast, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's next for 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 you and the bros? I know you guys are working on stuff. You just released a, a record. Was that was that last? That was last year, right? La- last last May, I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we've been we did a um sort of the our version of a world tour, which is North America and, uh, Europe. Uh-huh. And, uh, we're getting, we're getting over to Australia in April for a small stretch of, we're doing a festival over there and then there might be a couple extra gigs. Um, cool. and, uh, uh, nothing really announced, but we're going to be doing 
we're going to be doing a swing through the, um, the States again in May of this year. Okay. Um, kind of similar to what we did last year, but, uh, shh, mom's the word. Um, don't no tell, watch this. don't tell the whole internet. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, another swing through Europe in the fall. Yeah. We're, we're, the summer is going to be nice and chill. So we've got lots of downtime with the kids and, Good. um, but, uh, yeah, our kind of MO right now while our kids are little is to tour as much as we need to, but as little as possible. Um, right. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of time to go out on the road when the kids are, are older, but we we really want to try to mitigate as much missing of their childhood <laughs> as possible. So, And we're dragging them along to as much stuff as we can, too. So... Um, sure. But yeah, this year's this year's we're gonna get around. So basically, like our our, our sort of album cycle is kind of like a eighteen to twenty four months, and that's kind of what's coming up. So we're we're gonna do a bunch of follow up touring to what we did last year. Okay, well, um, Jason Bell, one of our patrons, asked a question. Um, as a as a newish dad, uh, watching your daughter discover the world, has it how has it shifted your approach to playing practice creativity exploration and songwriting which i think is a, an awesome question i love that question it's going to make me cry <laughs> um i mean having having young kids like i think that you get to rediscover the world watching them sort of go about their lives and yeah. uh for me i i have had like a massive renaissance in the way that i approach my craft because I, I've really realized that, you know, as a guitar player, I think a guitar player in particular, you know, we and the community, we focus so much on skills, practicing, you know, working on your chops, getting your tones together. Can you play over changes? Can you read music? Can you, can you, can you, can you? Right. Um, but we lose, you know, and oh, I need this guitar. I need this amp. I need this pedal. Um, but we lose track of the what the actual thing is, is making something making yeah. something it doesn't even have to be good just making something just the act of creating your your you know you're doing something good and watching my daughter like just figure out the world and play with toys and figure out how how things work or sing or dance or whatever with absolutely like zero self-consciousness she just creates because it's fun Right. And she doesn't care if she looks ridiculous or sounds ridiculous or is doing something stupid, but it's, it, it's completely uninhibited. And I, and, and I just like, I want to play music like that. And what yeah. I, what I've realized, what I learned from her in this process of being a young dad, that you don't need skills. I mean, skills help, you know, you have vocabulary sure. on your instrument. It means, it means that you can, you can, maybe you can hear an idea and express it quicker you know, and there's, and I'm certainly not saying don't practice or don't work on your craft, but don't wait to create something just because you haven't hit a certain milestone. That's what I've learned from my daughter is the first thing you should do is try shit. Right. You know, and if you feel like, oh, maybe if I, my picking was better or, you know, my ears were a little better, this might, might be easier. So then, then you can start to build it up, but don't wait, don't wait yeah. to make something. And, and that's, that's what I've learned. I mean, songwriting, I struggle with songwriting in, a, in, in, like in a pretty big way despite being a songwriter it's it's some, like i have a way easier time with a guitar in my hand writing something than i do writing lyrics yeah. so um the verdict is out so far i haven't really written anything um directly inspired by her in terms of a song but i've made so much music 
um, in the last little while. I, I'm, I'm, I've produced uh, a, a couple of records and I feel like that's where my, um, my creativity has seen the, the biggest growth um, is because I'm, I feel like I'm able to enter into these projects as someone who's got, uh, who's a little more free creatively instead of, you know, trying to, trying to make music in a certain way that exists in a, you know, I play guitar and I play guitar like this and I like this kind of pedal and I like this kind of amp. And so that's what the music I make. And as soon as I kind of strip those things away, then all of a sudden, you know, more music comes out. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, I don't know if I'm being coherent or not, but no, you are. You totally are. <laughs> it, it's funny because it's something that I've thought about a lot over the over the years. Um, and this was something that dawned on me um, before I became a father. But then it becomes more obvious when when you do have a child is that um, it's it's called play, and like kids are when they play, they're just like you said, they're just having fun. And that's something that I think that in my own journey as a guitar player, which is, has become, it's, it's so um, ironic that, you know, running a, a company that makes guitar related things kind of hinders all guitar related um, <laughs> processes in my life. You know, I have yeah. the most gear and the best gear I've ever had, but I have the smallest amount of time to enjoy it. But oh, yeah. just seeing, you know, just seeing my son just, just play and sing with it. He does. He has no idea where he's going with anything he makes up yeah. or sings or even melodies he's humming. He's just having fun. Um, yeah. has been just incredible. And then it's, I don't know about you, but it, the most fun thing for me as being someone who has some involvement with music and loving music the way that I do showing him music and hearing his, um, how his ear has developed has really been, it it just it it's so incredible like working with him and hearing him sing and not working with him just playing stuff with him and like if he like you know i'll play a song on a guitar and then he starts to sing it and hearing that he understands pitch and melody and how to <laughs> how to improvise in a way yeah um is is so remarkable and i don't i mean has that happened to you yet I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, what's, what's funny about Joni is that she, her bullshit meter is calibrated high. Uh-huh. Like, so what, what often she really likes, uh, she calls them daddy songs. She likes my music, not all my music. It's just very hurtful. Um, <laughs> but certain songs. And so what ends up happening is like a Spotify playlist will come up. And so, um, without, without naming any names, certain songs will come on where let's say the guitar playing is more acrobatic. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and she'll go, no, 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 (laughs) more, more, which means different, a different song. And then something like Scott McKeon will come on, which is like so soulful and so emotive. And, and I, I, I am not exaggerating when I said like, when I say that she can hear one note of Scott McKeon's guitar playing and she's like, Oh yeah. And she's so into it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so funny. Like when, and she's like, I, I kind of feel like she has, she has a really good radar for, I don't know, like, I don't want to be a pretentious dink, but I'll do it anyway. Um, like 
I feel like she can kind of tell what someone's intent is. Like sure. whether they're playing because they want your attention or whether they're playing because they they're plugged into something special. Yeah. And and um and and I feel like when I when I hear Scott's playing, I don't know if you're familiar with Scott's playing, but mm -hmm. I just I just adore his playing. He's yeah. so um his sounds are great and he's a total monster guitar player, but he just plays great stuff. Yeah. Um and he's a really lovely guy. And she can hear that, I think. I think. Maybe I'm totally out to lunch. Who knows? No, I, th I think so. I think kids have this, like, they're, they're, they're so much more perceptive than what most people would give them credit for, especially people that aren't parents. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, you, you, they they know. They can tell. You know, they can tell when people are being weird uh, and stuff, you know, in face-to-face -face conversations. So I totally think that they can pick up on, on all that stuff. Um Oh yeah. Uh -huh. You know what? I, I, that reminded me of like we, what you were saying like earlier about it's called play. And, um, mm. that, that's kind of like another sort of like offshoot of what I've learned from having kids is that the, the way that kids play is they mirror their environment, you know? So like Joni will walk over to the piano and move her body the same way that I do when I play the piano, or she'll mm -hmm. walk over to the kitchen and do the same thing that I do with the pan, you know, she's, right. and I think that there's there's a really important lesson in there that when she's playing, when she's creating, improvising, she's inviting in her the world. It's not yeah. this like closed in thing. I'm just going to work on this. You know, I'm not working on this. I am welcoming in the whole environment. And it's not to say that I think musically that stuff that's acrobatic is innately bad. I don't. I really, really don't. But to me, it's all about the intent. You know, and if it's just like, if it's just guitar as sport, I, I love it, but I only, I only have so much time for it. I, I, you know, I, I want somebody to like hurt me and put me back together with their music anyway. Right. No, I, man, Whatever. I totally agree. I think, and that, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so, uh, Jason had mentioned something to me that I, I was unaware of, and I don't know if you're aware of it, and I hope I'm not breaking news that's going to burst any bubble about touring for you, but, um, there's some new, yeah, fingers crossed. There's some new, uh, visa situations that's apparently going to make it more expensive for traveling for uh, yeah. people coming to the States, getting a, a visa. Um, how is the current state of like touring internationally and all that, um, been for you guys? I mean, I know it's, it's a weird world, the post COVID world anyway, but mm -hmm. I mean, like could you, I mean, have you heard about this, this, this thing that they, oh yeah, yeah, no, we're through? feeling it. It's like, it's like the cost per visa is going up like Double. 400% or something oh, crazy yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's already, it's already very, very expensive. And I mean, it's it, like, it is, it's something that factors in for sure. Um, you know, people always want us to come to the States, but I don't think they realize like that it's, it, it's one of the hardest places to get to, you know? And I mean, like I could throw a Frisbee to America. If I drive an hour South, I could throw a Frisbee into America, but I can't bring my band there. Right. And I mean, you know, and I, I understand to a degree why, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely frustrating and it would be cost prohibitive for some people for sure. Um, oh yeah. To be able to be able to afford to get, you know, cause it's like, it's like 2500 bucks american 
um, which is probably is like probably closer to thirty two hundred dollars Canadian, which I mean means nothing to you guys, but like the cost of things are similar, but it right. just you know so if the value of the dollar, if you're trying to do the math, it just is it it costs us upwards of thirty two hundred bucks per person per Gosh. permit, and so right now we're a relatively small outfit and we've got four people, so. You know, that's Man. that's that's what it costs to get us uh, across the line. Uh, I mean, but it is also just it's a part of like if you want to tour internationally, it, it it's 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 top heavy. You know, it's, it's expensive up front. So, you know, the, the things that people can do is go out and buy tickets for your friends to bring them down to the shows. Make sure yes. everybody leaves with a T-shirt. You know, the reality is that the merch table is one of the bigger money makers for bands. The other thing that I'll mention, and this is starting to be a thing, but what folks probably don't know is that a lot of times venues will take a cut of merch. They'll take up to 20%, sometimes even more, mm -hmm. um, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, and people, we're like the government in Canada, we're lobbying against it. We're trying to, we're trying to get people rallied behind not doing that because the, the profit margin on merch is small. Oh yeah. So when you factor in, you know, when you factor in the cost of goods, which is the price of the t-shirt and the printing, and then you factor in the fact that, um, you know, we have a manager who does really, really great work, but also earns uh, his living off of a percentage of our earnings. So he's taking a, a percentage of cut of, of the merch. Um, and then, uh, then you factor in the house taking 20% of everything and uh, what ends up being left is very little. So things that you can do uh, is sign up for things like Patreon. Mm -hmm. um, you can buy a lot of merch. You can also, if you see an opportunity to talk to your legislature, legislators, like tell them that you want to see um, merch cuts either cut or at least drastically decreased. If you see that sort of come up on your municipal things that you can vote on, uh -huh. you know, go and go and talk to your people because uh, that makes it. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to see music and they always get pissed off when they don't come, when you don't come to their town, which, right. which I understand, but also it's like, man, this, this is, this is a hard way to make a living. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like sell a sob story, but you know, if, if we want art, you have to pay for it, yeah. you know? And, and that's, and that's, that's the thing. And, and, uh, um, so, I don't know how I wandered into that topic, but I guess just talking <laughs> about international touring and, and, and some of the challenges behind it, but we love doing it and I love playing shows and I love seeing people and I, and I l just love being able to do the job that I do. But, um, but yeah, if you want to keep seeing people play, you know, go out and, and, and I know it's a, like post COVID world is it's tough. It's like, you know, if you're going to go and see one act or two acts a year, you're probably going to want to save your shekels and go and see the Rolling Stones when they come to your town rather than go to a club and see a smaller band. But, you know, we're, we, we're feeling that in a, in a heavy way, you know, like, yeah. and, and ticket, ticket sales are down. And, uh, and so it's, it's tough all around. Everybody's struggling, but you know, if you got an extra 20 or 25 bucks, come down to a show. Yeah. Do, do, uh, do you guys have a Patreon? We do. We do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? What's, what's the, do you have the, the URL in your memory? <laughs> we can, we can, no. we can always put it in the description. 
Yeah. And we definitely yeah. will do that. I because, think it's probably uh, patreon.thebrotherslandreth.com. No, I don't know. I'm totally yeah. bullshitting. You can figure it out. You can search it. People, you're smart. Yeah. Come on. You have Google. And Come, on. Come on. Come <laughs> on. Um, yeah. Well, the last thing before we wrap up, um, we're moving it because normally we do this thing where we dip a rig, uh, which people send us their rig. Hopefully it is uh, something that they would actually bring to a gig. And right. Just a concise, you know, rig. Um, I will say that most of the guys on the Discord have been sending some collections instead of rigs, but <laughs> right, I got right. one here. Okay. And we're going to give it a rating out of one out of 10 Shoyles, which is a combination of Rhett and my last name. <laughs> and uh, one day- we're It should be say, the currency of the world. Hey, you know, we're, we're trying. It's, uh, you know, we get on that blockchain. We're Come on. It. But here we go. Got this rig right here. Um Ooh. To whoever posted this in the Discord, their uh, their username is G C H I A P. G C H I A P. I don't know. G C H I A P. But uh, what we've got is a Collings i30 LC, yeah. a, um, just an early 2000s American Strat of some sort, uh, an R9, and then he's got Headstrong Sultan, which is essentially a brown paneled Vibrolux. Oh. A 63 Princeton, an actual vintage one that was his uh, uh, his grandfather's amp, which is killer. And a That's smattering so cool. of a bunch of stuff on the pedal board. We got like a, a basic audio Foxtron, a full-tone 70, uh, Mesa buffer boost, analog man envelope filter, Cali 76, microamp, brown protein. There's a lot of stuff on here. Uh, mm. Fulton Web te- Textosterone. I assume that's some sort of Texas-inspired <laughs> drive. A synesthesia from GFI, which is on your hat, uh, yeah. Volante, and a Flint. But what do you think about this? I think this is great. So, yeah, I like that rig. I, I would. I, I also. I want. I want you to know that I was gonna wear my Mythos hat, but I thought maybe it would be too, too on the nose. But it's I. All good. But I'm I have a. My... I have a Mythos. What? I don't. No, no, go ahead. I have the Mythos felt hat and I love it. It's one of my go-to. It's one of my main, it's my, my main squeeze. It was actually like my, uh, my touring hat for a while. The one that I wore on stage. They get so. gross real fast. Those, those, uh, they do uh, wool hats. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is it wool? Yeah. 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 I'm a, but the good thing about wool is that when it gets wet, it stays warm. So there you go. So your head you will always be. Warm. I'm wearing my dipped in tone merch. I got my dead mint shirt on here. Uh, I'm going to showcase the, the Brett skull shirt very soon. <laughs> but anyway, back to the rig. So, I mean, the pedal board's got a lot going on. Uh, maybe not in comparison to your last pedal board that you toured with, which was, you know, the, stupid it, approaching like red hot chili peppers level of <laughs> pedals. on. Yeah, almost needs um, its own tech. Well, it has its own tech, which is me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But I feel like this with e- any one of any combination of guitar and amp, you're going to be able to cover a lot of ground. I feel like that 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 Princeton um, being a, maybe a 12 watt amp might not be. I mean, it's, it'd be loud enough for a small gig, mm-hmm. but um, it might not cut the mustard if you if you're playing with a really loud drummer. You, you know, even if you have it up on a chair, um, it, it yeah. may not be heard enough. But I mean, to me, I see this and I just go, well, it's kind of like kind of done, right? Like all the bases are covered every pickup combination great amp sounds i don't know like do you have any 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 constructive comments for this uh, this gentleman <laughs> i mean yeah um 
Stop being a show off. <laughs> Try hard. No, I'm just kidding. I yeah, I love this rig. So okay, so we're we're actually we're 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 giving it a rating out of some for some real some real metrics here. It's not just like you know, 14 out of 10 would would absolutely pat again, like, you know, best dog of the internet kind of thing. Because yeah, well, honest, if we're doing that, I would give it, I would give it a 13 out of 10. Oh man. Um, just just for uh just for the the brown amps. But if we're giving it a serious assessment, I'm gonna go 9.5 out of 10 because I I've never met an envelope filter that I actually wanted anything to do with. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I want to. I'm going to consider that a challenge. Now I need to to work on an envelope filter. Okay. Well, um, hey, listen. No, I, I do. I do like. Um, I do like a low pass filter. I, mm-hmm. I like that, but I like to be able to treadle it. I don't like one that's that that um, that is sort of triggered it. by. Yeah, I want to be able to go. I don't want it to waka waka waka. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? What pedal? <laughs> what pedal does that? What what? I use um. I use the Chase Bliss Condor. Oh, uh, and it has an they don't make awesome that low pass. They don't. They don't. In fact, I only got one because uh, I have Joel Cordy's phone number, and I was like, "Are there any chances that there's one or even two of these kicking around the shop?" Who's showing he was up like, now, Joey? I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and he was like, "Ah, I might be able to put one together for you." But yeah, if you want one now, they're stupid. They're like a thousand dollars on reverb. It's it's goofy. It's, it's a great pedal. I would never spend a thousand bucks on it though. Yeah, I, I see this rig. I'd like some of the stuff. Like, I'm not. I like the Volante, uh, and I've never played the GF uh, the GFI thing. I know that that Rhett's a big fan of it, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm right there with you. I'm giving it a nine point five two. We'll just, let's call it even. Uh, if Rhett were here, uh, and like he judges stuff also on the quality of the photo. So, oh yeah, know, yeah, he's he's a bit of a random. tough critic. I've noticed that he like he's like. Yeah, I mean the pixelation is a little. It makes it hard to read. <laughs> yeah, the, the, what kind of vignette is this? Excuse yeah, what is it? What, what is this filter? You is that just a screenshot? Come on, get out of here! I feel like <laughs> Rhett and I are going to have to fight. Man, but. I one of my favorite things on this podcast is just arguing with him, and 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 even <laughs> I think a lot of people think it's like a joke or a bit, but I like I will. We use Marco Polo. Um, Josh Scott from JHS uses that and he got read onto it. Now, like I, that's, if I need to talk to Rhett, he usually won't respond to text. But if I send him a polo, which is just like, it's like, you know, just a little video of yourself, he'll usually respond. And (laughs) I don't know, like he, they they make popcorn on the stove, which is cool. But I was like, where's your microwave for making popcorn? And now every time I make popcorn, I wanted to send him a polo. (laughs) the, The simplicity of putting it in your microwave. Yeah. Anyway, enough ragging on Rhett. Well, he's um, so he's gonna make his popcorn on the stove, but he's gonna use. He's gonna because I was gonna say I have the synesthesia too, and I really really like it. But I will always plug into an analog modulator before mm-hmm. I, I go with a digital. So he goes analog popcorn, but digital modulation questionable. Weird guy. Questionable. Weird. Guy. I mean, you're wearing their hat, so I don't know. Everything's weird. I, right I love. I love what they make. I love what they make. I really really do. <laughs> they just came out with the. Uh, this um, parallel mixer thing, right? Awesome, incredible! I love that. I love it. But well, a real Univibe. I, they wait. What? A real Univibe? You can't. You can't beat it. Oh, oh! I was like, they make a real Univibe? <laughs> no, they no, they don't. They make a good digital one, but you can't beat a real one. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm getting sidetracked. No, it's it's all good. That actually, I mean, like we're working on one, and what a 
pain in the neck. But anyway, uh, normally we do like a shill. I already showed my shill. I think this is, this is good for both Joey and I. The Joey Land with Mjolnir is coming coming back soon. Yes. Check it out. Um, but to wrap it up, thank you, patrons. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, go to uh, the links in the description below. And if you want to join Joey, and uh, is it for the brothers or is it just for you or how is it? It's Yeah, for the brothers. I feel like okay. I should look this up right now. Patreon. I don't know. Oh, it's going to take too long now. I'm self-conscious. Oh, God. Oh, good. It's great. I'll keep talking. But keep if you talking. Want to support um, uh, the the Patreon for the show. Get access to, to episodes early. Um, watch lives. Watch while we're recording live. Uh, do all the things. You get discounts on merch. All this stuff. Or Joey, do you have your URL? You want to plug it? I do. www.patreon.com/slash/thebroslandrith. There you go. I nailed it. Sign up. Uh, also, want to thank our sponsor for the episode, Sweetwater. Be sure to go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Sign up for the giveaway. Uh, check them out. Sweetwater has everything. They got uh, great deals on uh, demo and blim stuff too. You can get some crazy good deals on on new gear they have. So sign up for the giveaway. Check out Sweetwater. And I guess that's gonna kind of it. Thanks, Joey, for, for filling in for Rhett. Who knows where the hell he is, but this was great. It's always good to catch up. He's a bit of, he's a bit of a dead de- deadbeat podcast dad. <laughs> Just not showing up. You know what I mean? <laughs> the deadbeat podcast dad. There's <laughs> Is a that t-shirt. a new shirt? <laughs> yeah. I, absolutely. I've paid I money what for it. What would be on that shirt? Is it just Rhett's face? Just a picture like, of Rhett's face. Like, yeah. I'm go- going to get cigarettes. I don't know. Just with a, yeah, with a camel <laughs> hanging out of his mouth and maybe a like a, a black eye. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thanks, Joey. Oh, oh, where can people learn more about your music and all that stuff as well? Oh, uh, thebrotherslandreth.com, uh, joeylandreth.com, although my website is uh, pretty inactive these days, but you can go there if you want. Um, go there. Instagram, uh, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, just search uh, the B-R-O-S dot Landreth. The bros, or it's, it's the Brothers Landreth, but we spell abbreviated. it the abbreviated way, and now everybody calls us the bros, and there's nothing we can do about it. There you go. Well, there you go. check them out. Buy some merch. Support them. That's it. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's what a what a pleasure. I, I listen I listen to the podcast all the time, so it's cool to be on it. Well, it's a, it's an honor to have you, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again later, another time. And when when Red's here, I don't know. All right, who knows? Maybe he's never coming back. Maybe he went out for a pack of cigarettes, and we'll see. Oh well. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody.